Art of the Kickstart, episode 58. Welcome to the theartofthekickstart.com, where entrepreneurs are constantly pushing the envelope to build businesses of greatness. Inventors are innovating, creating the products of the future, and backers stand strong for what they believe. These are some of the great thinkers, inventors, and leaders of our time. Here are their stories. Today's Art of the Kickstart podcast is brought to you guys by eFulfillmentService.com, the company that actually has experience helping crowdfunders make it happen. Guys, before we get started with the interview, I want to give you a little explanation about the podcast. So first off, I got to apologize. I know the echo sounds absolutely terrible. I will never, ever be recording in the bat cave of Pun Space again. I'm sorry, but you guys need to listen to this episode. Honestly, this is a really high-quality interview with Adam Ullman, founder of Stary Shoe. If you want to see what it takes to start a medical-based startup, some of the challenges he went through in beating stinky feet and curing fungus, make sure you tune into this. I know it sounds gross, but it's absolutely awesome, guys. This is a great one to listen to. Adam's a great guy, and I think you're going to learn a ton from this interview. So just stay tuned. Sorry about the echo. It will never happen again. I am never recording in there. And if you just weather through, I'm sure you're going to learn something that will kickstart your campaign. I hope it makes it awesome. Hey guys, welcome to Art of the Kickstart. Today I'm pretty excited to have Adam Ullman on the line, the guy who's helping to alleviate that stinky shoe fungus everywhere. Thank you so much for coming today, Adam. I'm pumped to have you on, and I love chatting with you before the interview started. My pleasure, Matt. How are you doing? Good, thank you, and thank you for having me on. So we kick these interviews off with a life quote, success quote, something to get people pumped up. What do you got? A quote that I live by, and I have to say it can be viewed in an extreme way. I don't want people to think that it's too extreme, but if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. And I say that because you know what you want done and you need to have the follow through to to deliver. One person can never do everything. You need to work with good people and you need to at least have, have an impact and convey what you want when you care about something. Let's play devil's advocate. How do you build a great team then? You know what? I have been involved in multiple startup businesses or early stage businesses and always seen a long delay in getting products to market. So what I've done with my team, we're really small. Honestly, my business employee wise, we are less than five. I'm not going to go into specific numbers there. But what I've done there is used great outside resources. So if we take a look at our fulfillment or manufacturing partners, logistic partners, they're all top notch. And that's how I've built it that way. So let's get into the product. Let's get into this. So I'm a guy. That means my shoes absolutely stink. I was telling you before the program, I'm in Thailand, which means I am sweating like crazy. I'm throwing my shoes outside just to get rid of the smell. Where did you guys come up with Steris Shoe? This is the second iteration. Take us through the story. Okay. So I'm third generation inventor entrepreneur. My maternal grandfather had 17 patents. This was my father's sixth patent. The family business for many years was commercial lighting fixtures. So with that, my father had a solid basis for lighting and he had a condition called toenail fungus or onychomycosis is the scientific name for it. And he took a very popular prescription drug for it, Lamisil, which was a billion dollar drug for Novartis before their patent expired. And his toenail fungus came back. He took Spornox, Lamisil's competition, came back again. Lamisil a third time and finally asked his podiatrist if he was reinfecting himself from a shoes. And his podiatrist said, probably. That was the impetus for the invention. Now, I've been involved with two startup businesses before, one of which I had, I had founded with my brother. And I was in law school at the time. I was, you know, if you're building a business around an invention, 
Your intellectual property is your most important asset. So I went to law school and focused on intellectual property law. And while I was there, I was taking a look at my father's patent and upon graduation, decided to build a business around it. So as I was delving into the science, there were a couple of things that just kind of grossed me out as I realized. Uh, one, the human foot has 250,000 sweat glands per foot and our feet are capable, the pair of feet are capable of sweating up to a pint a day. So in terms of what you're talking about with the sweat and the smell, yeah, kind of nasty. Also, shoes are the only article of clothing that we don't clean. Think about that. You wash everything else except for your shoes. Now, I've actually had some people say to me, well, I wear socks. What's the problem? Well, think of a sock like a sponge, a wet sponge. And if you squeeze it out, all that moisture is going to come out. But if you let it go, it's going to suck up all that moisture again. And that is what happens. Every single step you take compresses the sock, squeezes out the sweat and microorganisms, and it goes back and forth between your foot and shoe constantly. So I've come across some scientific medical articles that show that shoes are contaminated with the fungus that causes athlete's foot, fungus that causes toenail fungus. It's actually the same fungus. And my favorite quote, and this goes back to 1954, was a quote in the Journal of Investigative Dermatology. At the end, the author concluded that treating the foot without treating the footwear is futile. So guys, we actually forgot to give you a caution on this. If feet gross you out, this episode might not be for you guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're doing this. You're helping people that legitimately have a medical condition. You're helping people. I know moms everywhere are rejoicing at what you're making. It just gets rid of that stinky, nasty smell. How have you been testing this with consumers? So, and I'm going to back you up there. So while we're targeting people who have medical conditions such as athletes, foot and toenail fungus, and also diabetics need to be very proactive about the health of their feet too. A larger audience also is just anybody who wants good hygiene and people with stinky shoes. We can't say that we treat a medical condition yet. I've had a number of doctors tell me that they've noticed a difference in their patient treatments, but I can't advertise that because I don't have that scientific data yet. So we're okay to say that we kill the fungus that causes athletes, foot and toenail fungus because we have the data to do that. We've actually gotten a study published in the Journal of the American Podiatric Medical Association, which is the main medical journal for podiatry, foot doctors in the United States. It's peer-reviewed. You can't buy your way into that. So uh, we focused with some thought leaders in the field, our medical advisors. We've got two top medical advisors in the field, and they're the people who I go to when I say, okay, what do we need to do to prove this or that? And we're always taking a look at expanding our science. But the cool thing about UBC light is that it's been used as a germicide for decades in hospitals, water treatment systems. There's a great product out there if you're a backpacker or travel called SteriPen. It uses the same thing and it makes water safe to drink. So we know it kills all the organisms that come in contact with the light. This is just a new application of it inside a shoe. And one of the things that we want to do, make sure it was safe for people. So we've added safety features. We've always had safety features in the product. So it won't activate if the user would come in contact with the UBC light. So I got a question for you. You're the third generation inventor in your family. What's it feel like growing up in a situation like that and do you ever get intimidated? 16 patents. That's pretty impressive. Not going to lie. It's pretty cool. I now have two little kids myself. My son is four and a half. My daughter's two. My son is actually stars in our, our intro video. Just never being told that you can't do that. And it, as growing up, I didn't really think about it. But as I look back on it now and I look to teach my own children, no, if you want to try to do something, go out there and do it. Worst thing that happens, it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, there's a learning experience in that as well. So it is amazing 
amazingly cool. I'm probably one of the few people that has gone to law school knowing so very clearly why they wanted to go there. And it really was to focus on how to protect the IP when you're building a business. I got to say, that's not my personal passion. But what I think is absolutely amazing, you're building this business. You're a dad. We can clearly hear your daughter in the background. She's having fun. You're at home. And yet you get to be an entrepreneur, see your kids and do something great. How do you think it's going to affect them? Do you think, well, just like you, they'll grow up being people building amazing businesses? You know what? Whatever path they want to go down, I'm supportive of. I think people gravitate towards different things. And I'm going to encourage that as a parent. Again, being able to see things, try to build things. I remember, so I mentioned before, my family had a commercial lighting fixture manufacturing company. I remember after watching the movie Back to the Future, I went in there and I wanted to try to build a hoverboard. So I went in trying to make some big electromagnets on machines that he had to slowly turn like big lathes kind of thing. The magnets didn't work. I'm not sure if it was the wrong wire or the metal, you know, if it was aluminum, not going to act as a magnet. But he let me go into the factory and try that. Very cool, great way to grow up seeing different things. And it's shaped the way I look at things. There's nothing more empowering. And now I've got a question for you guys. So this is the second iteration of the Stereosoul. Why did you guys come to Kickstarter? Why crowdfunding to try to make this a reality? So um, with the Stereoshoe, the, the first generation, we focused very much on the medical community. As a small business, we don't spend a lot on marketing. We go to about five podiatric conferences a year, but we're not really advertising mainstream. And from an entrepreneurial perspective, Kickstarter is amazing. The fact that they've helped companies raise over a billion dollars in five years is astounding to me. That has shifted the angel community and VC community landscape in ways that are still being worked out. So I wanted to take the Starishu 2.0 to Kickstarter to reach a broader audience and embrace this amazing community of people that support the entrepreneurial spirit. So what do you do to prepare for that? A lot of people don't know. What do you do for marketing, pre-PR, pre-launch to make sure that you came out of the gate strong? You know, for me, it was working through to make sure that we would be able to deliver. I know that Kickstarter about a year or so ago got some bad press in terms of people not being able to deliver on what they set out to do. So I wanted to bring this product as far along as we could on our own. And that really was just getting this design nailed down, uh, prototyping and just working through all the kinks. And again, because we're an existing business, we could take some of our profits and direct it towards that. So my goal was to make sure that this thing was as real and as close to final as possible. And that's what I did. And just trying to engage some press and also targeting our customers, doctors and people who currently have our product. So those are the key areas that we've been focusing on. We still have you know, a bit of a way to go to reach our goal. I want to obviously exceed that goal and hopefully we get a nice push towards the end. So we had an awesome chat before the interview talking about Thailand, Southeast Asia, manufacturing. Can you give people some experience? You said you've been doing this for a while, working with Asian manufacturing companies. Why did you switch from China to Singapore and give some people some advice? So over the years, the cost of Chinese manufacturing has been going up. The labor rates have been going up. And from a human rights perspective, that's needed. That's good. And that's understood. But from a manufacturing standpoint, the benefits of manufacturing in China are starting to disappear in my mind. Additionally, in terms of holidays, there are a lot of Chinese holidays where it shuts down. And geopolitically, there's some tensions here and there, you know, what's going on in Hong Kong, what goes on in Taiwan. So I wanted to move to a place where there was still 
an economic benefit, but also a high quality control over manufacturing. Also, on our first gen product, we did run into an issue that someone in our supply chain ended up buying a knockoff component and it caused some big issues for us. There are times when in business, you might work with somebody who is in it for the long term. But if everybody's not in it for the long term and you're dealing with one person in your supply chain who wants to try to make a few extra bucks or even a few extra pennies and goes with something substandard, that's a problem. You're only as strong as the weakest link in your chain. And that's what happened. So the issue for us was pretty significant. We had a, a high failure rate that the best thing I could do was provide great customer support, send out a brand new unit and include a return label for that old one to come back. And that's what I had to do. And you know what? I think I Honestly, I probably have not gotten over that. And that's part of my decision to move manufacturing. doesn't mean that there aren't good manufacturers in China. My actual manufacturing partner worked with us, but it was somebody in his supply chain that really caused a big issue for our business. So wanting to take bigger ownership over our manufacturing, working with a very high-end company out of Singapore. They're listed on the Singapore Stock Exchange and um, very reputable. They work with key manufacturers. So as you look to manufacture a product, it's important to know the quality and reputation, make sure people are buying from authorized resellers of components, especially in electronics, because as I witnessed, even an inexpensive 10 cent part, somebody could buy a cheaper one elsewhere, think it's going to be the same thing, and it ends up costing you up the supply chain quite a bit more money. Yeah, electronics is such a whole can of worms. Don't even open that up if you can avoid it, guys. I want to jump in the launch round. How's that sound, Adam? Okay. Guys, if you check out artofthekickstart.com slash EFS, you can see today's show sponsor, efulfillmentservice.com. They're a great company to go to if you're looking for somebody to help fulfill your products. You want to get all your rewards out to your backers, but at the same time, you have so much to do running your business, marketing, building your store, building your funnel. You don't have time to do all this stuff. You can outsource that. Artofthekickstart.com slash EFS. These guys can help you out. Welcome to the launch round, where we take our guests through a series of rapid fire questions geared towards unlocking the inner inventor and entrepreneur in all of us. Get ready to blast off and unlock your inner potential. Let's do this. So Adam, first question for you. We've never had a podiatrist on here. You got any good foot jokes? Ooh, you know what? I don't. Sorry. Oh, that's disappointing. No worries. I put you on the spot there. Sorry. I have to say that, you know, going to podiatric conferences, seeing surgery sometimes, I go on my more serious side. Sorry about that. No worries whatsoever. Caught you off guard. So you're doing this and you're an inventor. What does it mean to be an inventor and how do you find problems that are worth solving? You took this patent that your dad or your grandparent had. How do you know when it's worth pursuing? That's a great question. So it's my father's invention and it, you know, you take a look at the size of the business, the time to get to market, the cost to get to market. When you're dealing with consumer products, electronics, there is a significant time and investment cost. If you're dealing with artistic music creation, photography is a serious hobby of mine, your barrier to entry is pretty low. So consumer electronics, long haul. In this case, everyone wears shoes. Huge market. In the U.S., there are 36 million people who have toenail fungus, 30 million people who have athlete's foot, 25 million people with diabetes, and people who have stinky shoes. That That's endless. So the market is massive. And the cost to get in, yes, product development, there's a significant cost. But the overall market is everybody. So you're a doctor, a businessman, an entrepreneur. Let's say you can meet anyone 
someone throughout history, past or present, who would you meet? What would you talk to them about? Uh, so one clarification, I'm not a doctor. I'm an attorney, inventor, and businessman. But if I could meet anybody throughout history, if we go back, I'd say Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein would be amazing. And we'll just give you the ceremonial doctor title. No worries. You just earned it here on Art of the Kickstart. Thank you. And, and actually, in Germany, with my law degree, I, they would call me doctor. Okay, that's perfect. They love having extra titles over in Germany. I was there for seven months. Great place. Love the titles. So next question for you. Have there been any entrepreneurial role models, people in your life that you've really looked up to, learned from, gave you great advice? If I take a look at someone who's been popular in the media these days, I am a fanboy of Elon Musk. He is doing amazing things. He's a true visionary, and I think he's going to go down as an inventor, entrepreneur of this generation that is not going to have an equal. Elon Musk is absolutely killing it on this program. There's so many guys out there that are inspired by him. He's taking on challenging three of the big problems facing society and he's absolutely killing it doing great things last question of the launch round this one's going to be good this one's important business books life books what are some that have been really influential on you ones that you'd want to hand to up-and-coming inventors entrepreneurs to help them transform their life so the steve jobs biography i thought was good And beyond that, you know what? Anything that inspires you and that makes you realize that you are your own person. And the problem with a lot of school textbooks is they say this is the way it needs to be done. And a true entrepreneur is somebody who's going to say, no, I can break that mold. It doesn't need to be done that way. So uh, I think anything that leads to creative thinking, and it's not just business books, but getting outside and understanding different elements. If you are so focused on business and you're dealing with some product design or something like that, you know, you need to have an understanding of art as well. So honestly, broaden your horizons. That's a key element to understand different elements. I completely agree. And normal education, it's so backwards these days. It's just absolutely the opposite of what people need to be doing. There, there are benefits of it too. I mean, I, I, obviously I've gone through law school and everything else. So when you know why you're there and are passionate about it, there's so much that you can get out of it. But I think a lot of times people go to school, not sure why they're there and, and you're kind of fumbling through and enjoying, you know, being on your own for the first time in life. So really the most important thing, no matter what you do is be passionate about it. We spend so much of our time working that we have to have a passion about it because otherwise you are going to be miserable. And the old model of working for one company for you know 20 years, that's pretty much out the window. So view it in different segments. This next five, 10 years, I'm going to do this and enjoy different elements and learn different elements from different types of professions. And don't be afraid to take the risk. Life is too short. You got to play hard. You have absolutely got to play hard. Hell yes or no. That's how you live your life. And your campaign, you got 12 days left. By the time this comes out, it'll be a little under a week. We're going to get this out and give you a little push. What would you do differently? What would you change based off of what you've seen, what you know that other people can learn from? You know, I'm still trying to go through when uh, when I started the campaign, I started getting some solicitations from people. Hey, we can help you advertise. I didn't pull the trigger on those. And I'm starting to now just to try to get some additional momentum. And it's like one of those things where, okay, you want the campaign to be a success. You don't want to spend a lot of money because you obviously need the money. Figure out the best way to tee things up ahead of time. Part of our situation, we really were focused on getting the product 
products so close and done. You know, those, those final prototypes came in, a nice photo shoot with them. But in terms of generating that traffic and momentum, we've got a lot of people saying, oh yeah, Starship 2.0, cool. We, we like the first one, we'll do the next one. We need a Kickstarter campaign. So traditional media is pretty tough. And there are a few companies that have been able to do it. But I think there's a specific subset of Kickstarter PR and media or crowdfunding PR and media that is worth investigating and going with. And I'm still trying to find the right ones to go with. It's absolutely tough. Guys, make sure you don't waste your money on Funzinger. I've heard of them, heard terrible reviews. I want to bash them here on the program because they're a bag of junk. And last question now for you. You've been an awesome guest. I know you got to run soon. I guess it's Saturday morning for you. And what I want to know, one piece of advice for adventures entrepreneurs, leave them with something, a great little tidbit, a nugget to transform their weekend and their life. Okay, so patents. The law in the U.S. changed to more of one of an international standard, where it is a first-to-file system. Now, if you have an invention for something, detail it, write it out, follow the format of patent, and you can go to the USPTO.gov. You know, pull any patent, you'll see as you go through. There's elements, there's background, scope of the invention, claims, different parts of a patent. If you can go through and very much detail what invention is, spell it out. You can file what's called a provisional patent, and they're relatively inexpensive, a couple hundred dollars for you to file, but that allows you to then say patent pending on your invention, and it protects you because if you go out in a crowdfunding campaign with a great idea, but you haven't done that, you will not be able to get a patent on it because you've just publicly disclosed it to the world. And book disclosure is a bar for getting a patent. Guys, definitely check that out. It gives you a one year, basically free pass to go vet your idea, vet your product, figure out, is this something really worth pursuing a patent on, spending all that money, hiring someone like Adam before he started his own business. Thank you so much for coming on today, Adam. I think you've provided a ton of value for my listeners. I certainly enjoyed talking to you. You seem like a pretty cool guy. I want to give you a chance now. Pitch the product, pitch the campaign. Why should people come check you out? How are you helping people's feet? everywhere and just get rid of the smell. Thank you, Matt. And, and it's been a pleasure chatting with you too. So look, shoes are the only article of clothing that we don't clean. We sweat up to half a pint a day per foot into our shoes. They're gross. They're nasty. We wash every other article of clothing except our shoes. And every single step we take compresses the socks, squeezes out all the moisture and microorganisms back and forth between the foot and the shoe. If you have athlete's foot, it's also called Hong Kong foot in Asia, toenail fungus, diabetes, you need to sanitize your shoes. And that's what we do. It's a prevention it's good hygiene. And it's the same reasons why we wash our hands and brush our teeth. We don't want to constantly be surrounded by germs and microorganisms on our bodies. And I think it was on the pre-interview I'd mentioned to you, one study that I saw back in 1954 said treating the foot without treating the footwear is futile. Shoes are clinically proven to harbor these germs and just get them out of there. Clean them. Guys, when I was little, I tried washing my shoes in the washing machine. Do not go for that. It does not work. This is an actual solution. Check them out. Go to the Kickstarter campaign. Thank Adam for coming on. Share it. Buy it. Whatever you're going to do. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Art of the Kickstart, where we believe makers, inventors, and entrepreneurs are changing the world and bringing humanity forward into the future. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and it's been a pleasure guiding you through this journey of creation and innovation. I hope you're inspired by this and check out artofthekickstart.com to get more information and tactics to help you launch your own business, product, and dreams. 